everybody, and welcome to Self-Evident Podcast. You got Massey tonight uh, doing the Late Night Live. And our Late Night Lives are really just this time where we can really reflect on what the Word of God says about what's going on today. Obviously, we do that uh, in our podcast. And if you guys haven't subscribed yet, go to theselfevidenttruth.com. Uh, become a monthly partner. We could use your support because we're reaching people all across the nation still, even through our podcast, still, even through our courses and curriculums. And guys, we have a pack scheduled already in 2021, so it's going to be exciting uh, to do that. But there's a lot of people to save. We've got a country to save, and it's pretty awesome. Country to save, and it's pretty awesome. And so uh, I'm going to start by saying this. If you guys read the title of what we're discussing tonight is you're not the troubler. You're not the troublemaker, I should say, if you stand for righteousness. You're not the troublemaker here. And I'm getting really sick and tired of people saying, well, why is it that you stand, just an example, why is it you don't want to wear a mask? Don't you realize you're a Christian? Don't you realize and understand that it's your job to fight for those who can't fight for themselves and all those things? And it's like, look, I feel in my conscience I'm called to do this, right? And God will justify what you feel from him. It's in your conscience as long as it's righteous. If you're going out there and making fun of people and being dumb, obviously he won't justify that. He won't defend you. But I promise you, God will defend you. And so I'm just going to go on with a, a couple of different things. There's a lot to discuss tonight. Uh, and so tell me where you're from tonight. If you guys are tuning in, if you guys are watching, tell me where you're from. Uh, load up your questions because I will answer them as well. And what, uh, next week, I think I'm going to do a live question and answer just to see what you guys have on your hearts. Now, I'm going to talk about in America now, we're seeing a lot of grotesque stuff happening through the through through through. Uh, like Netflix and, and social media. Now we see California passing a law basically uh, reducing, um, what do you call it, the age of consent and the punishment towards pedophiles and all these things. And uh, I was talking to Mike tonight about it, actually, and we're going to hit this not this weekend because we're going to be speaking on the real Joe Biden this weekend, but the following weekend we're going to be talking about the death penalty and what Christians need to believe about true justice in America. Um, whether you're for it or against it, I really uh, really want you to um, make sure that you guys have your right scriptural mindset according to government, okay? Now, I will say this. There's many people that are standing for truth right now, and they're being called troublemakers. And they're saying, why aren't you just obeying, dude? It's not that big of a deal. It's just a mask mandate. You know, hey, we need to love everyone. It's just pedophiles. It's just normalize it. You know, you can see a lot of the stuff happening. And if you're not standing for truth, God cannot defend his word. If you're not the one proclaiming the word of God and you're not the one standing for it, he cannot defend his own word. And it will go out anyway. He doesn't need us. He can make the rocks cry out and worship him, all that stuff. But he's looking for people whose hearts are perfect towards him. And I'm just going to give you a couple of examples in scripture. I was reading about Elijah uh, the last couple days and just kind of walking through this whole process where Elijah was uh, a prophet. Um, during the king, uh, what was it, King Ahab, uh, he was married to Jezebel, which was one of the most, actually the most ungodly woman in scripture. Uh, we, we could all kind of agree with that. We even uh, reference her spirit when we see someone who's like an opposition type spirit. We say she's got the spirit of Jezebel. There's Jezebel all over that or, you know, that kind of thing. And so I'm just going to read you a couple points from this specific story and then talk to you about another prophet who was thrown in jail for telling the truth. But God justified this prophet. And God justified Elijah as well. Now, uh, Elijah had come in and said, man, he had prophesied a famine in the land. Elijah was uh, kind of like this guy who would come in and leave. He would just prophesy harsh things and kind of do this thing. Now, here's a 
First Kings 18, it says this. Now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show yourself to Ahab. Listen to this. Go show yourself to the king and I will send rain on the face of the earth. Because this just happened right after a famine. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. Keep in mind, in chapter 16, I think it was, he prophesied, or was it 17? He prophesied drought. He prophesied a famine. And so, and um, Ahab called Obadiah, which was one of the prophets. Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, for when Jezebel destroyed the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred of those prophets and hid them in caves. So he basically fed them and all these things. Ahab said to Obadiah, go through the land and all the springs, uh, and, and go basically scour the land. Go find some springs, go find some fruit, go find some, uh, uh, basically some vegetation so we can feed our animals and those kind of things. Uh, and kill some, so we don't have to kill the cattle. And verse six says, so they divided the land between them and to survey it. Ahab went one way to himself and Obadiah went another way by himself. Keep in mind the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, go visit the king, right? Now, verse seven says this, Obadiah was on the way. Behold, Elijah met him and Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face. And he said this, is this you, Elijah, my master? He said to him, it is I. Go say to your master. This is Elijah talking to Obadiah. Now go say to your master, behold, Elijah's here. Obadiah was like, what? what sin have I committed that you're giving your servant into the hand of Ahab to put me to death? Why he's saying that is because, again, Elijah was the kind of guy that would go off in a chariot. He would just disappear after he would give a prophecy. And he's like, if I go tell him this and you don't show up, I'm dead. And so uh, as the Lord your God lives, there's no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent to search for you. And, where, and when they said he's not here, he made the kingdom or nation swear that he, they could not find you. And now you are saying, go say to your master, behold, Elijah is here. It will come about when I leave you that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you where I do not know. So when I come to tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he'll kill me. And this is where Elijah said to him, you know, basically he said this. And now you're saying, go tell your master. Elijah is here. Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. Ahab went to meet Elisha. When Ahab saw Elijah... Ahab said to himself, is this you, the troubler? The troubler of Israel. Look what the king just told the prophet. You're a troubler. You're a troublemaker. Trouble maker. Why? Is it because Elijah told the truth? Is it because Elijah had the word of the Lord? Is it because Elijah obeyed the voice of God and King Ahab didn't, and nor, nor his wife Jezebel? Is there a reason that telling the truth is wrong? So what's unique is people say, oh my gosh, truth is being run in the streets. Uh, they're calling evil good and good evil. Oh my gosh. This has happened for so long. These are just recycle, uh, uh, reoccurring cycles, I should say. This has happened so many times. What I need you to remember is when you're looking at wickedness in the land, it's not any more severe than it was before. Nothing could be as severe as just before Noah's uh, flood. Because, dude, they did what was right in their own eyes. They didn't even obey. They didn't even have a conscience. They did what was right in their own eyes. And the Lord had to destroy that nation, had to destroy it because they were so wicked. So we're not even at that point yet. What we're seeing today is just little blips of things. But there's nothing new under the sun. What I'm trying to get through in the story, why was Elijah called the troublemaker of Israel? Because he told the truth. 
Did it bother Elijah? Absolutely not. He said, you're the uh, Elijah said this, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you've forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed after Baal. Listen to that. Now then send and gather me at Israel at Mount Carmel together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who will eat at Jezebel's table. He's basically saying this. You want to try your God? That's cool. But I'm going to try my God too. So I'll stand against all 850 of them and you watch my God move. And then you guys know the story. Built the altar. Elijah basically said, hey man, if your God is God, he'll send fire. But if my God is God, he'll send the fire to burn up the sacrifice. And guess who won? Ahab. I'm sorry. Elijah. So God was there and God defended the word of Elijah because Elijah obeyed. Now it looked bleak. It looked like, oh my gosh, there, here comes the king to basically say, you shouldn't be doing this. But Elijah stood on the word of the Lord and he stood firm. Now here's another story that, not a, that a lot of people miss. This is actually uh, 1 Kings 22. This is the prophet Micaiah, okay? The prophet Micaiah. Listen to this. In verse 22, I'm sorry, verse, uh, 1 Kings 22, verse 1. There was peace between Israel and Syria for the next two years. But the third year of King Jehoshaphat of Judah went to see the king of Ahab of Israel. Now, this is the guy that Elijah just went to go visit. Ahab asked his officials, why is it that we have not done anything to get back at Ramoth and Gilead from the king of Syria? It belongs to us. And Ahab asked Jehoshaphat. They were trying to team up here, right? Will you go with me to attack Ramoth? Jehoshaphat said, of course, I'm ready when you are. And so are my soldiers in the cavalry. But first, let's consult the Lord on this. Look at Jehoshaphat's heart. He wasn't disobeying the commandments of God. He was saying, you know what? Let's consult the Lord about this. I'm totally down for it. Let's go fight this thing. So Ahab called in the prophets, about 400 of them, and listen to that. You just saw your 400 false prophets just get shown up, or I'm sorry, 850 false prophets get shown up by the Lord. So you're going to call 400 more prophets. And if, if it's the word of the Lord, why do you need 400 of them? Think about that, right? Why so many voices? Is it because you want someone to tickle your ears? Is it because you can't handle the truth? That could be. That could possibly be, right? Again, guys, comment below where you're from, where you're at, um, and I want to read these comments, okay? And then, uh, so Ahab called in the prophets, about 400 of them, and he asked them, should I go and attack Ramoth or not? Of course the prophets said this. Attack it, they answered. The Lord will give you the victory. Listen to what they said. Jehoshaphat said this. Isn't there another prophet to whom we can consult the Lord with? Like, because all these guys are yes men, and there's no voice of opposition. So what's going on? Ahab answered, there's one more, the prophet Micaiah, the son of Imlah. But I hate him because he never prophesies anything good for me. It's always something bad. And Jehoshaphat said this, you shouldn't say that. What are you talking about? Then Ahab called in the court of the official and told him to go get Micaiah at once. The two kings dressed in their royal robes were sitting in their thrones at the threshing place just outside the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets were prophesying in front of them. Peace, peace, it's all good, all these other things. Guys, if you don't have sometimes that voice that can check you, I question who you're, who you're around. You need the voice sometimes of correction in your life. That's a good thing. You don't need people coddling your flesh and saying, hey, just do what you want. God will bless it. I just talked about this on Wednesday night. People are now getting pregnant outside of wedlock, doing things outside of God's design and saying God is blessing it. That is not the truth. It can't be the truth because it's against God's word. It's against his design, right? The two kings dressed in their royal robes, one of them, uh, Zedekiah, the son of Shana, made iron horns and said to Ahab, this is what the Lord says, with these you will fight the Syrians and totally defeat them. All the other prophets are saying the same thing. March against Ramoth and you'll win. The Lord will give you the victory. Meanwhile, the official who had gone to get Micaiah said to him, 
all the other prophets have prophesied success for the king, and you had better do the same. Isn't that just like what's happening today? Everyone else is doing it. You better do it too, dude. Otherwise, you're going to be the outcast. You're going to be the social outcast. Everybody's going to look at you and your church and saying, why did you do it that way? I can imagine what these guys in California are facing for standing for justice. The guy that's got $60,000 in fines right now. All these things. Guys, look, sometimes you need to go to jail. Sometimes you need to face the courts because it's the only way it's going to turn. We're trying to find a silver bullet in the unconstitutional practices of government, but nobody's ever challenged it. Now's the time to challenge it, right? And I'm saying because I may have to face that. I understand that. I get that. But look what he's saying here. All the other prophets just prophesied good. You better do the same, pal. It's going to be your head, pretty much. It says this, but Micaiah answered, by the living Lord, I promise that I will, so, I will say whatever he tells me to. Wow. And then he said this, when he appeared before King Ahab, the king asked him, Mike, Micaiah, should King Jehoshaphat and I go attack Ramoth or not? Mike, Micaiah said, attack. Of course you will win. The Lord will give you victory. But Ahab replied, when you speak to me in the name of the Lord, to tell, <laughs> listen to the, what the king said. He recognized his authority. He recognized the prophet's authority. He said this, when you speak to me in the name of the Lord, tell the truth. How many times do I have to tell you that? Micaiah said, I can see the army of Israel scattered all over the hills. Basically just said, Ahab, I can see your armies dead all over the place and sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these men have no leader. Let them go home in peace. Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you that he never prophesies anything good to me? It's always something bad. Micaiah went on to say, now listen to what the Lord says. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne in heaven with all the angels standing beside him. The Lord asked, who will deceive Ahab so that he will go and be killed at Ramoth? Some of the angels said one thing, the other said something else until the spirit stepped forward, approached the Lord and said, I will deceive him. How? The Lord asked. The spirit replied, I will go and make Ahab, uh, make all of Ahab's prophets tell lies. The Lord said, go and deceive him and you will succeed. The Lord said, go and deceive him and you will succeed. Listen to that. Micaiah concluded, this is what has happened. The Lord has made these prophets of yours to lie to you, but he himself has decreed that you will meet with disaster. Think about this. How many times are we not justified by the Lord when we have to tell the truth? How many times have we told the truth and you get ostracized for it? Maybe by your family, maybe by your friends, maybe by your coworkers, maybe by your church, your own church, you're getting attacked for standing for what's right, for standing for the spirit of God, for standing on the word of the Lord. You're the one that gets in trouble and called the troubler. You're the one that says you're the, the sensationalist. You're the one that is going way off the rails, right? Because God would never do that. And I promise you, the reason why people say that is because they don't understand scripture. They don't understand that the old and the new are synonymous. They go together. God is love. That's awesome. He's also a judge and he loves justice. You know how I know that? He sent his son to die because of it. He loved us so much that he put his only son on the cross because he loved justice that much that it had to be redeemed by someone. And it was Christ, right? Now, when, what happens when you are attacked? You really got to focus on the word. And I'm going to focus on Old Testament scripture on how God protected his kids. Exodus 14 says this, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. This was after Moses had gone and said, Pharaoh, let my people go. He finally let them go. They're up against the wall. He said, stand back and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again anymore. So those that attacked Moses and the children of Israel, God protected. God protected his kids. And if he's, he's that same God today. If you don't understand this, you'll never understand the New Testament, that God can still protect it. I'm not supposed to justify myself. Uh, I'm not supposed to uh, repay evil for evil. I'm supposed to do good to overcome evil. Amen? 
And it says this in Deuteronomy 20, for the Lord God is with you and he goes before you to fight against your enemies to save you. He goes against your enemies to save you because you stand on his word. You stand for the truth. It's on you to stand for the truth because he's given you the word. First Samuel 14, then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by a few. In other words, what he's saying here, doesn't matter how he does it. He's going to protect us. Second uh, Samuel 22, the God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my savior, you save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Listen to this. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Either God's word is still true or it's not. Seriously, stand and be encouraged, men of God, women of God. Stand and be encouraged because it's worth it. That we'll stand before the Lord and say, no, Lord, I did what I could. I did my best. I did what I tried. And he, again, listen to that. He's going to say, well done. Not well said, not well fought. Well done, right? Psalm 17, here's David. Show your, show your marvelous loving kindness by your uh, right hand. O you who save those who trust in you from those who rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. What was he talking about? His enemies. David was talking about his enemies. Psalm 34 says this, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. Who protected anybody more than protecting David? God protected David. And dude, David just got anointed. He didn't know what was going on. He was persecuted by Saul. He was like, I'm not even trying to be against you, guy. What are you attacking me for? I didn't do anything. God protected him. Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Psalm 57, he shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. Think about it. He says, Selah, God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. Psalm 72, I mean, there's just a ton of these. He will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy and will break in pieces the oppressor. He has to. He will not let his kids suffer violence unneedlessly. Now, some of us may suffer. That's not the question. We may be persecuted for the faith, but God protects. And when it's your time, it's your time. We all know that, right? A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but, you shall, uh, but it shall not come near you. Psalm 91. Proverbs 18, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. I can go tons and tons of scriptures. What am I saying? Why am I even saying this right now? Because God has delivered the word of the Lord to you to possibly be that voice to protect the others. There's so many people that need protection. Man, I'm already over 20 minutes. I'm almost done. But there's so many people that need protection, especially the babies today. And we have been saying this. And when we cover uh, the, the, the justice system next week, not this weekend, but next weekend, you're going to see that we've been saying this for a long time. And I'm sure you have too, that, man, if we keep normalizing sin, it's just going to get worse and worse. I remember when they said, it's just gay marriage. It's just gay marriage. Don't worry about it. And we were like, dude, you normalize that, it's over. Then they said, it's just drag queens. It's just transgenderism. It won't go any farther than that. Now they're talking about normalizing this junk against kids. When Christ is the one that said he would protect those kids, even in his words by saying, it's better for a millstone to be hung around your neck. That's Jesus's words, right? I'm not wishing evil upon them. They know the consequence of their junk before they do it. They do. If you touch a child, you're up against the justice system. That's what Roman 13 is all about. I'm not going to get into the podcast. So God is your defender. 
God will fight for you. And I can't see a lot of the comments right now, so I'm just going to go on Facebook real quick on my phone and see what we got going on. Because, uh, because uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Be encouraged. God will defend you. Yep. We becomes aliens to this world. That's right, Kevin. That's exactly right, dude. From Jupiter, Florida. Amen. Amen. I love this. I love this. Okay, let's let's do this thing. Uh, let's see. This came as a test message this evening. Uh, this is Arlene Helms. The entire point of occult ritual mask wearing is to hammer home to your subconscious. True. It becomes a completely true in your daily life. The idea that things are no longer the same and will never be the same again. Isn't it funny that they have to defy God? That God is the order of all things. The wearing of the mask is simply a part of uh, initiation rituals used to visually and psychologically signal your consent in this new arrangement. I find it funny, too, that you see a lot of people now, especially kind of cave into the whole Muslim thing, that it's kind of normalized to cover your face. I'm telling you, dude, if you guys can't see kind of the stuff that's happening, I mean, just watch the story of Brigitte Gabriel when you get a chance. She She's the head of Act for America. She'll tell you about the takeover that the Muslims did when the Christians were just like, hey, yeah, accept them. We'll just bring them into the country. Basically took over Lebanon. And so you got to be careful what we're allowing in this country. I'm sorry, Dale, I see your comment, but it must be on my video. So let me go back to that, okay? I am so sorry, guys. I'm trying to read this. Hey, Dale. So you just waved. I got it. Cool. And uh, guys, be encouraged tonight. If I can say one thing, be encouraged tonight. You're on the behalf of Christ. That's right. Isaiah 33. Fear not, for I have redeemed you and called you by name. You're mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nausea, the flame scorch, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. A stinking men, dude. That's exactly right. I'm going to pray us out tonight because I, I, listen, the only thing I want you to get out tonight is be encouraged. Stand for what's right. Stand for righteousness sake. God will defend you. Amen. So Father, we thank you tonight for those watching, for those being blessed by the, by the podcast tonight, those that uh, sometimes feel like they're lost and they don't know what to do. They don't know if they should stand uh, because, hey, they're going to get questioned. Uh, but Lord, we thank you that you're the defender. We thank you, God, that you've done it once and you'll do it again. That Father, even our forefathers who stood for righteousness, Lord, weren't perfect men, but you delivered their enemy into their hand. And Father, you did it righteously. And Father, even after the war, they became uh, trade and commerce and friends because they were fighting this war by a king, someone who was trying to overtake the people, Lord. And when the people got together, it was like, no, this is a nation to nation thing now. Father, we thank you, Lord, for restitution in this country. Restitution in the spirit is what I'm saying. Father, that the prayers of the forefathers are not unheard. And that, Lord, it's crying out to us now to stand again. The Lord, we have to be the standard bearers. That, Father, no matter how long we've been preaching this, no matter if it's been 20 years, 5 years, 10 years, 100 years, it doesn't matter. That, Father, you would move on the behalf of your servants. And that, Father, we bless the children of, of God on this post right now. We thank you, God, for your grace and your anointing right now. In Jesus' name, Father, we bless the men and women of God on this podcast right now. Father, we bless their children. Father, we bless their future, not because it's a blessing to do, Father, but Lord, we, you gave us a heritage. Your word says, Father, in Proverbs, that the children that you have are a heritage to the Lord. And that, Father, we have children right now that we need to teach to be men. We have to teach them to be young women of the Lord. And that, Father, that's my duty. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for places where we stand. We thank you, Father, that you're our defender. That, Lord, it's not us who defends ourselves, and it's a scary place to be. I'm going to be honest with you guys. It's not easy to stand for truth. It's not. Sometimes it's scary when people write up against you. I remember being written up in the press. when we, I think it was the Associated Press. 
man, they can lie about you to, to high heaven and get people to think all negative things about you. But man, there's something about God justifying that uh, in your life. And so, Father, we bless them. Father, we anoint them to preach the truth because they stand for the word of the Lord. And Father, for those who are scared, I thank you for a backbone of steel that you implanted to them right now in Jesus' name, that all fear is gone and that it's broken. It's broken in the name of Jesus, Father, because you didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power. Power to do what? Stand against the oppressor. Stand against the armies that try to come against you. Stand against the fear in your life. Stand against the sin in your life. You gave us the grace and the authority and the power to do that. Father, we bless you. We thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, even for this weekend. Lord, we've got 50 some odd days till an election. We thank you, God, that you're on that behalf. That, Father, we bless our president. We thank our president, or I'm sorry, we thank God for our president. We don't worship him. We worship Christ. But, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're on, we're, we're supposed to pray for this man. And that, Father, he would do righteous things in your eyes, Father. That, Lord, you would get a hold of him in his dreams at night, Father, and show him things to come. That, Father, where he's not righteous, I pray you correct him. That, Father, where he's done wrong, I pray you right it in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, Lord, even for Congress and Senate, for our judges, Father. Those that are wicked, Father, we call on, Lord, to remove them in Jesus' name. I don't wish they're hurt at all. I just pray you remove them, Father. Remove them because we don't want wicked judges in the land. We need godly, righteous judges. We need godly, righteous men and women in office. We need godly counsel right now. We thank you for the churches to arise again, to be the voice of reason again, to be the voice against the opposition out there again. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, we bless you. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you very soon this weekend. Tune in, 7 o'clock. Uh, we'll have a new podcast. We're going to talk about the real Joe Biden uh, because, guys, we need to expose. We just need to continue to expose. There's a bunch of junk out there. Uh, against the dude, and we got to inform the masses. So we love you guys. God bless you, and we'll see you this weekend. Again, tune into, I'm sorry, go to 1776truth.store. You guys can find some really cool merch about uh, uh, about what we do and who we are, and it supports our mission to go reach uh, not only the youth in the nation, but also teaching churches, teaching pastors, all that stuff. We got our curriculum and everything like that. So we love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you Saturday. Saturday. Bye.